Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander and Pingdom. I'm Simone de Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, the executive director of the Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and we're gonna talk about some tech. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yes, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> well, You'll I want to ask before we get started, are you okay, Christina? Because I was not okay after <laughs> last week's episode. Like, were you okay? I was fine. I mean, like, it was a while where there was like a gross taste in my mouth. And yeah. I did actually try to think for a while. I was like, am I going to do some video content around this? And and I couldn't. Yeah. So no. I, I had to throw away the candy because... A, it smelled really bad, and B, I was just like, I'm never putting this in my mouth ever again. I did yeah. give Grant a piece, and um, he ate it, and uh, he was he was horrified. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I told him I was like, you have to try this because you have to like everyone. If, if you have access to it, you have to. But I've I've explained this to a number of other people I've talked to about our show, and they've been like, oh, I want to order this now. And I'm like, no. I'm like, if you find it in the store and you feel like it'll be funny, I mean, fine, whatever. But don't yeah. do what we did and, spe- and spend like $100 on this. Let like, me no. confirm for people. No, <laughs> you yes. don't want this. No, no amount of your natural, beautiful curiosity is is worth this. Um, I, I even had people, I, I people were tweeting at me about it. And there was this part of my brain that was like, maybe I could send the bag to someone and pass it on. And then I was like, no. No, put it in the garbage. And I didn't put it, I couldn't put it in the trash in my house because I was like, if this, if it takes me a couple days to empty the trash, I will have to live with this. So I took it directly outside (laughs) and I put it in the bin. And now the rats and cockroaches will feast on it and God rest their souls. <laughs> That's appropriate. I do have a, I have a quick journalistic update on the, uh, the, the candy corn. So I spent um, immediately after our show, I spent a lot of last week trying my hardest, working my journalistic connections, trying to get Brax to go on the record about the development of this candy corn. And I had questions for them. I wanted to understand the uh, QA process along uh-huh. with it. Um, I wanted to understand, um, you know, basically how the idea came to fruition. Uh, I wanted to know if it was made in the United States, <laughs> like perhaps maybe because we have laws that would prohibit it uh, being made in this country. So maybe they made it <laughs> elsewhere. Um, it, unsurprisingly, uh, Brax refused to go on the record, even though I called them. <gasps> you got on the every phone? single one. I finally got one of their numbers and called them and asked them to go on the record and uh, I wrote the multiple emails so I I just journalistically do not feel like Brax is standing by this product <laughs> in my opinion so, amazing I mean I love that yeah. you called them no I, I saw that they weren't responding to any of our tweets uh, I sent them an email as well did not get anything I love that you called them I am not surprised, and I stand by my assessment last week, which was that someone in marketing thought that this would be really funny, like on Instagram or YouTube, and just didn't think they just didn't think this through. Mm. But if that's the case, wouldn't they go on the record? That's what I don't understand. Like, haha. No, go try I think it's the principle candy. of like if you have to explain a joke, then it becomes unfunny. Yeah. Wow. I think they just want people to experience it for themselves, and we're here to tell you. Don't. No. Don't do it. It's not worth it. 
<laughs> All right, let's get into our show today. So we will, of course, start off with some Apple news and then some fun PS5 stuff. And then we have got for our dessert today a uh, topic that you should not listen to with young children. It will be an adults only topic, but it is a lot of fun. But starting off with Apple, it's just another day. Episode 301 of Rocket. <laughs> well, there is an Apple event scheduled for October 13th, 2020. As you probably all know, usually the September event is when we hear about new iPhones. We did not in the September event, but at this October event, we are now expecting a few things. Uh, not all of them are confirmed, but it is quite likely we will hear about the iPhone 12. Um, what is rumored to be announced right now is a 12, a 12 Pro, a 12 Pro Max, and a new 12 mini model, uh, which would be a 5.4 inch screen, um, which I'm actually super excited about. Uh, we're expecting the regular 12 phones to have 5G, A14, new A14 processors, LiDAR, standard OLED screens, and improved storage. Uh, so yeah, but other than that, I don't know that there's much to say about the new iPhone, but there are a few other products that are rumored to be announced at this October event. Do you guys want to talk about iPhones or do you want to hear about this other stuff? Let's start with the iPhone first. Um, so one of the things that I thought was really disappointing is all signs seem to point that the 120 hertz uh, refresh display is not coming. We know that mini LCD is probably going to be coming to the iPad Pro when they refresh it next year. Um, but even that 120 uh, refresh rate, hertz refresh rate, does not look like it's coming to the iPhone this time around. So, you know, they're, they're hyping up 5G. And, you know, we've talked about this on the show before. 5G is line of sight. It's a very mixed technology. But I don't know about you guys, but I have literally chopped down my data plan to practically nothing because I just don't leave the house anymore. Yeah. And, and 5G is like not as important to me as like a, a, a screen because if you've seen 120 in person, like it's great. It's, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, the iPad has it. I would say it might end up being useful. The 5G, it might be nice to roll it out right now assuming that there might be some kinks in that rollout and that those will be worked out by the time the next iPhone comes around and people are theoretically leaving their houses again. Because yeah. we're not going to be housebound forever. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I agree with that. I also feel like, I, even though, I mean, I haven't cut down my data plan all the way I should, because um, that's actually... Yeah, I didn't even think sense. about that. Now I feel I dumb. didn't either. Same. Um, but, like, I... I have to think, like, you know, the product cycle when they were developing this was before all of this stuff happened. So I don't necessarily fault them for prioritizing what they thought the world was going to be like versus what the reality of it is. So and, and I'm with you, Simone. Like, I feel like I'd rather have it now, have some of the kinks worked out and also give the carriers a chance to roll out more of their 5G stuff so that by the time it is we are out of our houses, it's in more places and, you know, like, mm -hmm. we already are used to having it with our phones or whatever. Yeah. So so the other stuff, I think, you know, with this coming in so many sizes, I'm really excited about the the smaller version of it. I'm personally not going to get it. But, Simone, you are excited about this. Like, what is your reasoning with wanting the smaller size? Like, they're talking about calling it the iPhone mini. Now, here's the thing, Brie. Actually, let me really quick check how big my 11 is. How how big is the screen on the 11? Does like 5.1 inches. 5.1 inches, I believe. 
Oh, so wait, is the 12 mini bigger than the 11 then? Maybe it's 5.4. I don't know. Hang on. Okay, we've got some research to do. I, I, I think that the moral of the story is I was thinking the other day about this. Um, and I realized that as much as I... Okay, no, the 11 is 6.1. So um, it's ah. a full... Well, not quite a, an inch shorter, but uh, just a little bit. I was thinking about the smaller phones because obviously I, if you've listened to the show, you know that I really loved the uh, iPhone 5C. It was my first iPhone and progressively phones have gotten bigger and bigger. And I've been mm-hmm. every time been like, ah, why? Uh, and now I guess I realize, especially since I am housebound and do watch a lot more videos on my phone, I've gotten a lot more into watching YouTube videos in the last year or so. I won't go back to a smaller phone. I don't want a bigger phone, but I definitely don't want to go back to a smaller one. That being said, I have just always been a proponent of making that an option because we see over and over again, there's a a bigger option of the phone. There's always like the Pro or the X or whatever that's a bit bigger. Um, But then usually a smaller version of a phone might be released in an off year or it'll be a like, completely different model like the se is yeah yeah um and i i believe this one is also going to have less features theoretically like it might not it people are saying it won't have an oled screen um and so yeah it will be a cheaper less um premium model that being said i i do i just think it's really important that we always if we're thinking about (laughs) making a phone that's divergent from the standard, making one that diverges smaller as well as diverges larger. Because some people just, A, need smaller phones because of their tiny little hands, or um, want a cheaper option. I think that's fair. I mean, for me, when um, you know when I was running for office, my call time phone was, a, it was an iPhone SE because I didn't need the data in it. I really just needed something to throw in a purse to carry with me that was as small as possible. Um, that said, you know, this time around, there's a rumor that there's going to be a phone even bigger than the iPhone, uh, iPhone 11 X Max Plus Turbo Hyper 2 <laughs> Edition, whatever the hell they call it. Uh, and I, I think I'm going to go with that just because you know at home i do most of my work on my iphone still and uh just bigger just tends to be better i mean how do you feel christina so 12 pro max would be you yeah i'm kind of the same way so and it's weird because i have for many 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 like my whole life i've been a proponent of small tiny phones like my favorite phones historically like not even talking smartphones have been super tiny. And I'm a really petite, small person. Like I have really small hands and really small pockets. And um, I, you know, was somebody who was, didn't love when the iPhone 6 came out because I was like, let alone the 6 Plus. That said, when I got the 7 Plus and I had that bigger phone and it had the better battery life, I had to kind of concede this is a, this is a really good experience. Then I got the iPhone 10 and I got the, um, the 10s Max just because the only thing that would have made it look different from my 10 was the fact that it was bigger. And I really, again, the battery life and, and the functionality of watching videos and stuff like that, I just was like, no, I prefer this. And so I got the 11 uh, Pro Max. Um, and I'm with you, Brie. I think I'll probably get the bigger one. I'll have to see how it all stacks up. But um, I'm, I've weirdly like become, I've gone the other way where I used to always want the small phone. And I do think that there is valid things to be said about making things in other sizes and about being um, like 
more, I guess, just reflective of of the different types of things that people want. But if I'm if I look at how I actually use my phone, I honestly do value battery life uh, way above everything else. Now, obviously, that doesn't matter as much now that we're all at home. Mm. But that's not going to be the case forever, right? You know, I think, though, even with the 11, uh, which I got before we were on lockdown, the battery life was so much improved from my previous phone, which was the iPhone 8. And even when I was commuting or traveling, I found that I did always have access to some kind of charger, whether that was at my desk or whether now it's in my bedroom or in like when I was renting my car to go upstate, there's chargers in cars now. Um, (laughs) That made me sound ancient, but I'm not, I swear. But I find that with the 11, even though I am using it pretty consistently throughout the day, it has pretty darn good battery life. Uh, And I have the regular size. So how often do you charge the the pro whatever you have. Well, I mean, you have to kind of understand that my phone is surgically attached to my body. Gotcha. So like, so my needs are are going to be slightly different than maybe someone else's. And and also it, it depends on how much data you're using, what part of the country or world you're in. Mm. There are all those yeah. things. And uh, though, again, it's weird because my buying decision this year, if I were to base it on historical uses, obviously get the bigger one. But based on other things, I'm going to have to look at the feature set, see if there is different stuff. I'll probably get the bigger model, but it'll depend. Um, I, I, uh, it, it's yeah. It's just I, I'm glad that it, that it seems like there will be more options size wise. But I do, and, and I feel bad saying this because I was so against it for so long. But I do kind of understand why most companies have just embraced big phones because yeah. the the mm. experience for watching videos, as you were saying, Simone, is superior. And now we do so much work on our phones and do other types of stuff that they kind of do become mini computers in a sense that I'm like, okay, if I'm going to have, like, I would rather get a bigger phone than I would, than I would have an iPad mini, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I definitely agree. An- another thing about the, uh, you know, going with the biggest, best phone last year, I have never regretted it just for the camera alone. The zoom function mm. on last year's phone is fantastic. It takes crystal clear pictures, even at two or three times zoom for doing video. Um, you know, there's some videos I've done that have done much better because you did like that slow zoom in on someone's face. And it's just, it's a, it's a fantastic feature. So that just is for a very that, good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. So um, I don't know if I'm going to upgrade this year. I'm on the iPhone plan, but I also did the, the payment thing last year and I, I don't know. I'm going to see what they come out with. Um, do we want to talk about some of the other gadgets I do. that Apple yeah. rumored? Yeah. A pair of over-ear wireless headphones, rumored to be called AirPods Studio. And I am here to tell you that that is bad. Why bad would they name. be pods? They should be air cans. Exactly. This is wrong. Um, however, anyway, <laughs> $349. Um, people are saying that this would be the time that they would announce that because... Obviously, when you're getting a new iPhone, it might be time to say, oh, yeah, a new pair of wireless headphones. And because I'm home all the time, why not have mm-hmm. nice over-ear ones? Um, I, I love the idea of 
Apple releasing over-ear wireless headphones, I just object so strongly to them being called AirPods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they differ from Beats because obviously Beats has been doing over-ear headphones for over a decade. And, mm-hmm. you know, Beats Studio got uh, got an upgrade and, and obviously the different sound profiles and that sort of thing, but they do have some of the same features. What's interesting here is that although AirPods changed the game one thousand million percent when it comes to wireless headphones like like in your buds uh you know they're still kind of the standard bearers and and you're just now you know um four years later starting to see companies catch up in the over-ear market that's a fairly competitive space where sony is i would say probably the leader at this point and um, you know, Bose has a certain segment of the market too, but Sony is is really good. And so I'm interested to see, like, I'll obviously probably buy a pair just to compare them and see what they're like. But it's it's interesting because I, I feel like the halo effect that Apple has from the AirPods, I feel like for some people might carry over to them. But in that $350 like headphone space, it's really competitive. Like there are a lot of really good options in over-ear wireless um, headphones. And so I'm not like, it's not to me, like I I have trust that the Apple uh, product will be really good, but I also don't feel like it's going to be a guaranteed like runaway, like this is going to be the best out there and it's going to kick everybody else's ass. Yeah. And, and do they want it to be a runaway or do they just want to have that slot filled in their their library of products? I mean, obviously, everyone wants something to be a bestseller, but I mean, I don't know, because to me, like, again, like you've got to differentiate, like, why do you why do you have this versus Beats? Like yeah. Beats, I know, has is, is marketed in a different way and has a slightly different audience and whatnot. But it does ask that question. Like to me, it's like, OK, if you're going to come out with something that is going directly against another product you sell. Yeah. What? Why? Like you've got to to me, that is the, weird. The, the fundamental question would be like, what? To me, that would say you have to have some sort of feature beyond just the the fact that this is, you know, branded under Apple instead of Beats. Because Beats have good design. They have the W2 chip. They have, you know, some of the same kind of features. Um, obviously, the sound profile is going to be much more bass heavy, but you need to have some sort of differentiator. And I'm sure that there will be one there. I would imagine, though, that the only, to me, the only thing that would be a massive differentiator would be for them to say, these are absolutely the best noise-canceling headphones you can get on the market, and they very well might be. I'm just saying, knowing what Sony does, that's going to be really, um, you know, tough shoes to, to fill. Not that I don't think they can, but just that this isn't like this is going to be a walk in the park because Sony actually has very, very, very good um, mm-hmm. noise-canceling and very good battery life and and other stuff with their headphones. I mean, I think, I, well, Simone, when you're doing video editing, because I'm obviously doing a lot more of it with my job, um, do you use over the ear or do you use like canal butts? Because I use canal butts, like really expensive ones that go deep in my ear and just isolate. I mean, what what do you end up using? Uh, I use over the ear ones uh, okay. that were provided to me by Vox Media. So, um, oh, yeah. I have them on my head right now. Hang on. <laughs> Sony 7506s? Oh, they are Sonys. <laughs> yeah. they, Sony 7506s? Hang on. 
Yep. Yep. They are. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, okay, so maybe there's, okay, maybe there's a use case there for, because AirPods just are not accurate enough for real sound no. quality with video editing. I don't know if the latency would be good enough for something like Final Cut or Premiere, but maybe there's like an argument for Apple to, you know, they're putting out pro monitors, they're putting out pro computers, obviously. Maybe there's an maybe. argument there to, to have that part know. of the chain. Yeah. I don't know. To be totally honest with you, I think every single production studio I've ever been in, ever, everybody, like no matter if it's a small studio, um, like, you know, top radio stations or whatever, everybody uses those Sony headphones that are like $80. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're just the, they're the standard for a reason. They're wired in. Um, I'm not saying that you couldn't get to a place with wireless where the latency would be usable, but I think most people would just be like, no, nah, I want to have it. And um, the, the, the sound is very like flat which is exactly what you want Mm -hmm. um and so i don't know i like to me especially it's not going to be a point where like i wouldn't spend 350 dollars and then use them for when i edit video like i'm still going to use the headphones i have on right now which are those sony's but you're right i mean maybe maybe it would be something where they can appeal to a higher end audience in that respect i don't know i'm just trying to think about the use case because i i like my beat studio and you know they're bright red my favorite color they're a pain in the butt to pair, but if I'm just being honest, the convenience of AirPods is so high, like you just throw it in a purse and it's there, mm-hmm. that I just, I literally barely touch them these days. And yeah. I, I don't think I'm alone. No, you're not. And I, I mean, honestly, I think that they're like, okay, because when I used to travel in old times, like obviously this is when I would use noise canceling wireless headphones. And that's mm-hmm. why the Sony's were so great. And I think that really is from a commuter situation, it is better. Because even when you're on an airplane, as convenient as AirPods are, they are not good enough for an airplane. They're just not. The noise canceling, even on the pros, it's just, it's not. Um, and so this would be going head to head with that, with the with the Bose QC2s, with some of the other high-end, um, you know, like wireless. And the, the better pairing would certainly, I think, be something like Sony has apparently improved it with the latest version of the, uh, of, of their um, uh, W1000MX4s. Uh, uh, um, apparently you can, you know, pair with more than one device now, but it's not going to be as seamless. I do think that the latest versions of the Beats do have the same easy pairing solution. So it should be just like AirPods. But um, for people who don't have that, like, I think that you're exactly right, Brie. Like most of us, we default to the AirPods are so convenient. They're easy to pull in and out. Um, but it is one of those weird products that, again, like it's like this is something that a year ago or, or two years ago, whenever you're planning this, this would seem to have a lot of use case for commuters or people who travel. But when you're at home, it's different. Not that you don't use them, but that the scenarios in which you use them. Like, I haven't used my over-the-ears headphones, like my my Sonys, in a really long time. Um, and, and I have better, higher-quality over-ears if I want to do, like, really pristine audio listening. But it's just... I, I usually ref- like I don't know I just always it's it, they're my travel headphones and, and yeah. when I'm not on mm-hmm. an airplane I don't have as much of a reason AirPods are, are fine for work. Let's talk about some of the other uh, possible products. I'm gonna blast through a couple of them because we've got this might be the event where they uh, announce the release of the AirTags, which have been in progress forever, which are the Bluetooth tracking tiles, um, of which there are many on the market, but this would be you know Apple's own solution to that. Um, and then also possibly a smaller version of the HomePod. And then the one that I think <sighs> you guys might have something to say about, which is the ARM-based Mac. <laughs> is it time? 
Okay, well, going through this one at a time, uh, as far as the air tags, I'm very curious what the, the, the charging solution is for that. If it's a, you know, a system where I could throw it away and I can't charge it, I'm just not interested in it. Mm. That's, a, that's, a, that's a deal breaker for me. As far as um, you know, the, the, mini, uh, the mini HomePod, I still use my HomePod all the time. It's in my kitchen. I do a lot of cooking. Uh, now there's the aftertimes and... Yeah. You know, I would be interested to adding that, you know, like one into my bathroom, one into my office. I would be down with that. Um, As far as the ARM-based Mac, I am, unless they really put out something special, even though I'm in the market right now for a new MacBook, um, I don't think I'm going to buy the first generation of this. I just think the transition to ARM is going to take time. I don't think the performance will be there. I think the it's like, remember how buggy the Retina MacBook Pro was at first? Yeah, just getting through one generation of it, I, I think it'll just be a better product. So I think if there's ever been a time in Apple history to wait for the 2.0 product, <laughs> I think the ARM Mac is probably one of the strongest arguments. But may you disagree, Christina? No, I mean, I th- I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I, I could definitely use a new Mac laptop. My problem is, is that I really need one for work. And so part of the reason why I didn't get a laptop and I spent, you know, $5,000 on um, an iMac instead was because uh, my my needs for mobile are less than um, what they were before. But if I were to buy something for work right now, I can't buy an R MacBook, like for my primary work stuff. That's not the case for everyone else. Now, as a secondary laptop, yeah, I, I think that I'd be interested. And if it is something that's in like the 12-inch MacBook form factor and depending on price, I, I could be interested in looking at it. I don't know if I would buy the first generation. That's usually not always a great thing to do. Um, for Apple stuff, there are exceptions. AirPods are a great uh, exception there. They were fantastic first-gen product. But with laptops like this, I don't know. For the HomePod, it's, that's all about price. I mean, I I've, I've, am not a fan of my HomePod, especially for what I paid for it. Uh, it is a, mm. still one of my biggest gadget regrets ever. I just think that's that so for damning. what it is... Honestly, it's just, you know, from what I paid for it, what it can do, the fact that even now they haven't updated the damn software. So even though like they're bringing support so you can play other music sources from it, it's not there yet. They've updated all the other devices, but they haven't updated the HomePod software. So maybe that's what they're waiting on. But yeah, um, the price to me would have to be way different. They're also, frankly, the competition continues to get better. You know, Google just announced the new, um, you know, um, speaker, Nest speaker or whatever um, this week, which everybody says sounds really good and is a really good price. And uh, Sonos continues to have, you know, for people who are wanting the higher end kind of ecosystem stuff, really good things that has AirPlay 2 compatibility, but also uh, supports other services and also can do, you know, Alexa and Google Assistant. Uh, I mean, I think Siri's pretty awful as as an assistant on the HomePod. So how dare you? I mean, <laughs> she's look, I, listening only, right now, Christina. I know she is. No, the only place I like Siri is on the Apple TV, and which is an interesting one too. There have been some rumors that we might see an Apple TV update that Ooh. they desperately need. Like, I agree. I agree. like if they if we if we go another event without an Apple TV update, that's a real problem. Like, why would anybody at this point spend? what an Apple TV costs when you could get something that is so much better for so much less money. There's just, I, I, there's no reason right now for me to recommend, and I'm a huge Apple TV fan, but I would absolutely tell no one to buy it. 
Folks, I need to tell you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. <laughs> Take your time back with the power of Text Expander. Repetitive typing, little mistakes, searching for answers, those things are all taking precious time away from you and your team. And we can't afford to lose any more of that. With Text Expander, you can take that time back. The latest version of Text Expander <laughs> even has new and improved statistics reporting for organizations. Are you an organization? It includes the ability to build reports with customizable date ranges for enterprise and individuals so you can track how much time your team saves. What? So not only can you save time, you can prove that you're saving time. <laughs> and when the time police come, you can hold up your, your data and say, look, I'm making the most of my life. With Text Expander, you can keep your team consistent accurate and current. You can share your text and images with the whole staff to keep them on track. Everyone will share the same message and give the same answers to all customer questions where applicable. You can work faster and smarter. You can use Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations to streamline and speed up everything you type. You can create powerful snippets to save you time so that all you type is a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest of the typing for you. You can keep your whole team communicating efficiently and with consistent language, with, which is so important. Nobody, no renegades out there telling customers things that can't be backed up. No, you have Text Expander. Share your snippets of messaging, signatures, and descriptions with everyone who works on projects with you. This is a great product, and we love our friends at Smile. Uh, they are very good, and they just keep bringing new features to it and making it more powerful. Uh, so check it out. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. Rocket listeners get 20% off their first year. So you can visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That is textexpander.com slash podcast. Thank you so much, Text Expander, for your support of this show and Relay FM. Any final thoughts about the rumored Apple event? Uh, Christine, if you don't want your HomePod, sell it to me. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. okay. We, 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 we will talk after the show. That, that, okay. That's definitely okay. a possibility. Okay. Cool. Uh, there has been a teardown of the PS5. Guess what? This is the story that I didn't have time to read before we recorded today. <laughs> I read it. I, I have. Tell, tell me about, about it, Bree. Okay. Massive. Yeah. Well, it's massive, A, but this is really, really, really good news. The Mm -hmm. teardown of it, really straightforward. The the upside to it having so much uh, space inside of it is this is a reasonably user repairable uh, system. Now, whether or not Sony will give us access to these parts is a whole nother story, but there is a, a dirt trap. I don't know if you've ever gone to your console after it's been sitting behind your TV for a few years, but that's nasty. Yeah. Yep. It's super mega nasty. So being able to take it apart and clean out those uh, dirt trap, that's exciting. Um, and just as a side note, beyond this story, um, you know, we've also gotten some reports of the uh, the Xbox Series X at this point, which is rumored to be 
ultra, 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 ultra hot oh, to the point you could use it as a space heater for your place. So I think that's very much the opposite of something like the the PlayStation Five, which seems to have really, really great cooling internals. So well, that's I would awesome. say. I- yeah, I would say they're different types of cooling. I would yeah, say like fair, like because like, g- g- the Xbox uh, One X very much looks like the um, trash can Mac Pro, yep. where it's emitting heat that way. And as the criticisms and there were many that people could put against that Mac Pro, I I don't remember hearing or reading much about people saying like it overheated. You know, so so just because it gets hot isn't going to mas- necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Uh, that said, I do agree with you that um, the cooling and what they've done with with the the fans and with the um, uh, you know um, the heat sinks and and the other stuff on the PS Five, it's impressive. And you know the PCB itself is really small, and it's like the rest of it is basically like the heat sink and like there's this gargantuan you know huge ass fan uh, that that you know, is is going to help keep this monstrous uh, mini computer cool. I do have to say, I appreciate, I don't think we've talked yet about how the PS5 does have expandable storage. And I know as a PS4 owner, that's something that I have come up against again and again, which is I am running out of storage and there are tutorials mm-hmm. for how you can install a new uh, a new drive in that thing and expand your storage, but it involves invalidating the warranty. It involves these tutorials that are frightening to me, a person who has never cracked open a console that I spent a lot of money on, um, and I frankly don't want to. So the fact for me that this is like it looks, re- he's just lifting the lid off it, unscrewing it, and lifting the lid off of it, and all the parts are there, and you can easily replace the storage. Uh, I I really like that. I, I find that very consumer friendly and it's a huge, it's a 180 from what they did with the original PS4. So I really appreciate that. And I think it's a sign of the times. Yeah, I like that too. My only question on that is if it will be able to use standard M.2 SSD drives, because if it can, that's awesome. If it can't, then honestly, it's great that you can easily upgrade it and do that. But if it's going to have to be like a weird proprietary, like Sony authorized drive, then that does take, to me anyway, that takes away some of the the like excitement. But that said, I, I totally agree with you. It is really good that um, it is at least something that the user can do. I just, I'm hoping that either they will officially support um, M.2 drives or like standard ones, or that like people will find out a way to get on like official sanctioned mm-hmm. ones to work on the system. $99, $99, $99 is how much Sony had the temerity to charge for the 32 gigabyte Vita <laughs> memory card. They have the most long history of gouging you memory ridiculous stick. prices for this stuff. Absolutely. Uh, you know, mini disc was great, but it, I'm a hundred percent with you, Christina. No, I, can, I would say memory stick memory. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was their proprietary, like before SD cards, like they insisted on having their own little blue form yep. of like flash storage for their cameras yep. that cost more than everyone else's Ugh. and that they then charged a ridiculous amount of money for people to license. So even the third party stuff still cost more than what you could get for a compact flash card. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I I really do find 
more so than a phone, like getting a, as big a hard drive as you can on a console is really, really important because, yeah, you know, as the life goes on of it, sometimes you want to go back and like play older games. Um, yeah, I got a flight stick to play uh, Star Wars Squadrons, and now I want to go and play The Last Ace Combat. It would be great if my hard drive were large enough to just have older games on it, but it's not. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I hope that they don't gouge me on this because honestly these two systems are so closely matched this generation that there's i mean sony could easily fumble it with a move like that Mm, well uh, i look forward to learning more about that brie uh from the developer perspective any other thoughts about this breakdown and what what we can expect from the console no, I mean, it's it's a big console. It's very user repairable. There's lots of space in there for everything. Your own uh, publication, uh, Polygon, was even praising the um, the stand for it today, which is really cool. If you put it on its side, it's, it's really got elegant. this cool clip-in. Yeah, it's very elegant. Or if you want to put it up. So um, I think we need to get into... Um, you know, like Ars Technica needs to tear this thing apart before we can say anything positive or negative about any of these systems. But I do believe it's going to be unusually durable for a, for a uh, next-gen console. All right. I hope you're correct. Let me tell you folks that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom from Solar Winds. Do you have a website? And does your website have a shopping cart, registration forms, or contact us pages? If you answered yes to these questions, then you need Pingdom. Nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail because that means a bad experience for your users and could mean lost business for you. Ah, nobody can afford that. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring will alert you when cart checkout, forms, and login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment any of these fail in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity. The five alarm bell rings? You best know your best expert is on the case. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, Use the offer code ROCKET at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thank you so much to Pingdom from SolarWinds for your support of this show and Relay FM. All right, our next topic is going to be adults only. All right, we have a very special topic for you now. Welcome <laughs> to the show, consumer tech reporter at Gizmodo Victoria Song to tell Hello. us about a wonderful story. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, welcome to the show, Victoria. So, you wrote this excellent story about a um well, <laughs> it's a security flaw. It's dick jail. It is dick jail. Teledildonics, teledildonics. About teledildonic dick jail. So, there is this high-tech <laughs> chastity belt 
uh, for people with penises that unfortunately has a huge security flaw in the API, which among other things, a company found a security company found out that you could leak locations, plain text passwords, and other personal data, but you could also potentially lock someone's dick in there. <laughs> Tell us oh. about this, Victoria. <laughs> Yeah, so it's I, I don't know how to pronounce it because it's got one of those weird names. It's the the company that makes it is a Chinese company called like you spell it Q I U I. And when I was writing the story up, I had to constantly find and replace because I kept writing Quibi. <laughs> yeah, so it's the Kiwi uh, Kiwi uh, whatever you're gonna call it, uh, cellmate. And so, you know, really, really aptly named. And it's a it it's a dick cage, a cock cage, whatever you want to call it. It's it's a thing where, you know, you stick it on your your penis friend and you know, there's like it's it's mostly plastic, uh, but there is this metal alloy bar that to secure the dick in its jail. And <laughs> if you then give control of this this device to someone else who can, you know, they, they have an app and you can just basically lock and unlock it that way. Uh, most chastity devices have an override for emergencies. This one does not. So the whole problem is, is like, as you mentioned, there was a faulty API. It was, there's no authentication required for it. So on top of like, so on top of being able to find out people's personal data, you could also find out where they live in terms of GPS and all that stuff. And, you know, this lock the dicks in. And because there's no there's no physical emergency override, which, <laughs> you know. It could be a problem, right? So if someone just says we're going to keep the lock on, because it's a Bluetooth lock, basically. And if there's not an override, then you have to either destroy the device or go to the hospital, which... I have to think it would be one of the more embarrassing hospital visits. I'm sure that doctors have seen way more embarrassing stuff than this, but I wouldn't imagine that'd be fun to like go to the hospital and be like, I've got this thing on me and I, there's not a way for me to get it off. I'm just imagining the doctor. Cause you know, I have a lot of doctors in my family and they've seen everything. Like the stories yep. they tell at family events are like, Oh, okay. How do you do this with a straight face? And they're like, you just gotta, but can you imagine being a guy walking or like, you know, a penis hopper walking in and just being like, hello, Mr. <laughs> Doctor, sir, or lady, um, I have a contraption stuck to my dick. Please help me. Uh, because, you know, you basically do need like an angle grinder or a bolt cutter to cut the the metal bit off among or, the horrifying know. like personal or privacy implications of this i think that was really up there with the horrifying aspects of this story was that you need a grinder or a bolt cutter those were the two tools i saw mentioned <laughs> and i don't i cannot actually imagine i cannot picture how that is supposed to um work without injuring the person <laughs> So, yeah, so sure. I have a few technical questions oh, here. Sure. And, but so, but, but before I start, I just want to say I I can't claim to be completely up to date on heterosexuality these days. But <laughs> but like it just seems to me if you've got to put a penis in jail, maybe your relationship like outside of some S and M stuff, like maybe 
maybe you should get some therapy. I don't no, know. No, I fully understand it, and I, I don't yeah. object to it at all. I think it I is don't great. I, no, I mean, I think it's I think it's fine. I mean, I think that the issue is that there's not an override and that there's no security. So someone who's not your partner uh, in whatever sense mm-hmm. you want could take control of this. And yeah, you if know, you're going to have like kinky in, withholding if, fun with your partner, you yeah. don't want to <laughs> the third party and you can even have a third party there. But the third party should not be a hacker who is keeping your partner's dick hostage. That yeah, is where yeah, I draw the line. Could it be a it's boy? like it's. It's very, you know, I did some extra research while looking into this story just because, you know, my curiosity and, like, bleach my entire search history. It's just cursed. (laughs) But, you know, so I was looking for reviews, you know, of people who have actually used this thing to see what they had actually said. And, um, oh, God, like, I I got to the Queewee, whatever you want to call it, their subreddit, and there was just a lot of pictures of people wearing this oh my! Particular device. Don't look it up. You like save your eyes. Like I, I suffered. We'll put that in the show notes for everybody. No, we won't. Yeah. <laughs> my, don't do it. Don't do it. My favorite I, I line. Suffered so you don't have to. There's just a lot of scrunched up balls. It's uh, really terrible. But um, uh, so this bar is just so close to to the ball sack. So really, really terrifying uh, to think of in that way. But but my favorite review that I saw was actually on YouTube, and it was this European woman in this luxuriously velvet dress sitting on a gold throne, thick accent, just going through the, the pros and cons of this gadget and how she was using it with her hubby and her hubby. Got um got his dick stuck because <gasps> the app was buggy, and then right. she's like, and we had to wait with customer support for an hour, and his dick was just stuck, and and I was like, oh my god, she's really freaking going into it, but it was just, oh my god. So you're it, telling me, on top of uh vulnerability, the app is also buggy. Yeah, yeah, the app is buggy as hell, and you know, just to go back to what you were saying about like, you know, you want a trusted. Like, it's not that you don't necessarily want a third party getting into it, but the way she was describing how the app works, it sounds like you can see other people who have this thing, like, geographically, and if you come into it, you can switch off who the quote-unquote key holder is, and I was like, Christ almighty, that's a security nightmare. And she was saying this was a, like, was a plus, because it was kinky. (laughs) So it's almost like like a social network of chastity belt users. So, so it's funny. Um, Hacker News had actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, a very, very good discussion about this story. <laughs> um, and I'm not even joking. Like, it genuinely did. And the first, uh, like, the, the most uploaded comment was was this guy, uh, Kyle, who I would actually love to get on the pod, who uh, does a lot of stuff with uh, teledildonics. And he um, has a, a website called um, buttplug.io, which is an open source kind of implementation for, for various uh, uh, tools out there. It's actually pretty awesome. And um, he'd heard about this. He was like, yeah, I've, had, I've heard so many complaints from people about this company and about their products. And he you know, mentioned some of the same things about the app being buggy. So he like, wasn't surprised to see this at all. But um, I, I don't want to... like. This should be something you should look into for a follow-up, Victoria. They make another device. This company makes another device that is also connected that could be even worse if it were uh, overtaken. Because this is, shall we say, it is, um, it's something that expands. No. 
and, no. and, um, uh, and, and, but, but it's wow. smart. And so that, if you think about that in the wrong person's hands would, would be really like, not just like a security risk, but like that could actually be like harmful potentially. Yeah. So, uh, you I should, don't know I think what expands. I mean, I, I, I've been shown well, up. Not, like, <laughs> I, that's horrifying to think about, but you know, um, you know, the security risks aside, the dick getting trapped aside, I think the most horrifying part of this story and just looking into it was the fact that this company ghosted so many security researchers and <laughs> journalists yeah. who were trying to reach out to them. So like, uh, I think, so Pentest uh, Partners was the, the the main security firm that published this uh, particular report. But also uh, there is also the Internet of Dongs, which is like a it exists. It's, it's a website where they look into <laughs> the security problems of teledildonics, which is like one of my favorite words ever. Mm-hmm. But um so they they had both independently reached out to this company, and this company was like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll get a fix out. And they blew three deadlines on that. Uh, TechCrunch uh, was one of the first pubs to run, run this story, and they had known since June and had was, like, trying to reach this company, and they also got ghosted. <sighs> so they ghosted multiple people. Uh, they did release a somewhat fixed API that was, like, addressed some of the problems, but not all of them, but they didn't also fix the old one. And one of the big problems was that if they took down the faulty API, uh, they were going to lock people's dicks in the cages. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. So it was, oh just like a, it was just like a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to just read and just be like, oh, my God. And then, you know, juxtapose that against the subreddit where they're like, here's my happy selfie of my dick in the cage. <laughs> You're just kind of like, I don't know if you would be very happy if you were stuck there for hygienic reasons. Because, you know, there's a hole so you can pee. But now, yeah. right. do wow. you have a brand recommendation that is more secure than if, if somebody is interested in a product like this? I don't have a specific recommendation as this is not my particular kink. However, um, I would just say don't go for high tech sex toys just because this you know is what? not yeah. freaking agree. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is not the first time a teledesonic uh, gadget has had security issues. There's been several in the past, uh, like names are slipping, but you know, just just go analog. Just go so analog, my friend. keep using this word. Can you tell our listeners what teledildonic means? Because I, I was like, I've never heard this word. And then I go to Wikipedia, and it's actually a really interesting subject. Yeah, so teledildonics are basically um, smart sex toys, you know, like things that enable Bluetooth remote control. So you, if you have a cock ring, then you want to have some naughty public play and make your partner lose their mind in public while trying not to. You can do that via an app or, you know, long, long distance lovers have have this option as well. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's it's I could see why you would want it. It's it's kind of cool in a sense that people are being really creative about sex toys. But um you got to really put security at the forefront of it because your sex life is your sex life. You don't want weirdos to impinge on your, your naughty times. So it's sort of like not a thing that they've done, you know, like who's going to end to end encrypt your sex toy. They're not doing that. And we need to. 
So it's, it's, it's just kind of one of those things where I think the horniness has outpaced the sense. Well, I would say the greed even more than the horniness, right? Because I think what happens is that you have these tech companies who look and they're like, oh, this is a really cheap thing to build and people will pay a premium for sex toys, even if the quality isn't super high. Because like this thing is like $150 or something, you know, it's, it's relatively expensive, but you know, the companies who are making them are obviously not putting anything into security or, uh, you know, even something as basic as, as having like a, a an override, right? Like you could almost with this, like the security stuff would still be terrible. But to me, the fact that there's not even an override on this just makes it bad for its for its core purpose, because like, you know, anything that has a lock with it, there needs to be a way to do a manual override. Like that just seems like common sense. Do you know what it really makes me think of is, do you remember the the story we did a few years ago about the woman that won, um, it was, uh, you know, it was a, a, a conference and she won an award because there was a sex toy yeah. involved. And, yeah. right. And, Carlo. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. And they kicked her out of it and said, you can't win this. You know, when... Uh, <sighs> I, I feel like our sex negative culture where we can't have honest discussions about this. If you can't have like reputable companies building this stuff, exactly. then you're going to have like, you know, this weird company in China that doesn't care about cybersecurity doing it. And I, mean, we can laugh, but there are people out there like this really is their kink. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I I'm, just, not, I'm not judging. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't think anyone here is. I'm just saying like the fact that we can't, we still can't have like an adult sex positive discussion about anything in tech at this point. I mean, if you look at something like you porn, like they're reasonably ethical with what they do with the data, but the third parties that get it, there's a lot of scary stuff that goes on there. And it's just because it's, it's completely driven underground basically. Really interesting that you're mentioning Laura DiCarlo because um, I actually talked with them and a bunch of, so like after that whole debacle at CES, which is, you know, uh, for the non-nerds out there, it's the, like the largest consumer gadget trade show. Uh, and the year after they did that, they invited all the sex tech exhibitors to actually come and to show their stuff. But what they, what the CTA, the incredibly conservative group behind CES did was they actually, um, they relegated them to a certain like convention hall that wasn't necessarily, you know, like out of sight, out of mind, that kind of thing. And they were like, you're on probationary status, basically. We'll see if there's an interest in sex toys. Like, oh, God, who, who would be interested in sex toys? Mm -hmm. And then um, especially like ones that were aimed towards people with vaginas. So that was kind of interesting. And then, you know, I went and I walked the floor and I was talking to all these sex tech exhibitors and they're like, oh, yeah, our 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 reception has been super positive and people are super interested in this. And you know, these are advanced sex toys with like micro robotics in there. Um, and it's just sort of really telling because I went to another smaller uh, event at CES and the CTA basically was like, Oh, this taint bandaid, which was, it, it's a taint bandaid. It's like a bandaid that goes in a man's or, you know, taint and it's supposed to help with erectile dysfunction that got approved right away. <laughs> but a vibrator that's super advanced, uh, you know, gets kicked out wow. and isn't counted as like an innovative thing in robotics. So it's it's really a problem. And, you know, all of all of the exhibitors I talked to were saying that it was it was just a struggle to be taken seriously to get the funding to, you know, provide pleasure. 
switchboard to vagina havers, but you know, if you want to make a, a tape that sends neuroelectrical shocks through a taint so that your dick can go up. That's fine. Stop. Oh, sorry. It was to stop premature ejaculation, not erectile dysfunction. My bad. <laughs> Thank but, you for the fact check. We, yeah, no, the, the taint A live yeah. fact check, too. That's skills right there. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, was, it, was, it was the most absurd thing I'd yeah, ever Yeah, it's a very seen. silly double standard. Well, and, um, I just and- I just hope if there's anything we'll get the public to take cybersecurity seriously, maybe the fact that someone's genitals could get locked in a cage in forever, like maybe that will make people realize this is a serious subject. IoT in general sucks and we need to have a real discussion about all of these things. We do, we do. And Victoria, you have a podcast that is coming out soon, is that correct? Uh, it's currently trying to get greenlit, but yes, we are trying to get something off the ground that is, uh, you know, a more lady focused, uh, uh, lady focused take on all the hottest tech news. Cause you know, that news is just so hot and sexy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you, know, you know, there's a lot of, uh, tech journalism that is extremely sausage heavy and yep. you, it's, 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 it's really you don't say. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it's really frustrating when you're like, I do a lot of smartwatch reviews and you look at every smartwatch review and there's just a bunch of hairy arms out there and they don't talk about how the size of a gadget, you know, for us smaller wristed people uh-huh. matters. Um, yeah. Like, why are all my smartwatches rose gold? Like, not hating on rose gold, but there are other colors <laughs> that women like. Like there are, there are, but also, why are they massively in size? Like, why is the Apple Watch still the only one that like fits well on a smaller wrist? Uh, yeah, there, there are some. Like, I think. Well, the, I mean, the there are some, but, fit, but well, yeah. fit, well, Fitbit's a little bit of a different category. But yeah, I agree with you. But I'm just saying, like, by and large, you look at any of the the uh, whatever Android Wear, whatever they call it now. I don't even know. Wear watch, whatever. So, yeah. Victoria, OS. when will Massive. we know if that podcast is greenlit? And if so, where can people find it? <laughs> Hopefully soon. Uh, and I will be blasting it all over social media and I will kick everyone at Gizmodo to <laughs> be blasting it over social media. So, you know, it, it's in the works. And Hopefully what's your uh, social We'll have media. you back on to promote it at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have have me and and my co-host, Caitlin McGarry, who is also very delightful and smart and hilarious. Uh, you know, like, actually, one of the things that I'm super proud of at Gizmodo is that we have a consumer tech team that is majority female. And I don't awesome. know if I can point to another tech publication that has that at yeah. this moment. Where so. can uh, people find you online if they want to follow you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vic M Song, V I C M Song, like, you know, uh, and that's basically a good place to find me. Um, uh, you shouldn't Google me unless you add the word Gizmodo on there because there is a K pop star with the same name and she's totally <laughs> wrecked my SEO forever. Oh, no. That happened to me earlier today. <laughs> I can vouch for this. Um, all right. So Vic M. Song on Twitter, Victoria Song from Gizmodo. Thank you so much, Victoria, for coming on and telling us about this story. And we look forward to bringing you back again soon, I hope. Yeah, sure. Have me anytime. Love it. All right. It is time to talk about what we're doing this week. Christina, what are you doing this week? 
Uh, well, I was a little bit sick earlier this uh, this week. Thank you, Simone, for filling in for me on this week in tech because Yay. I was like, I was a you had a good time and were awesome, and b I was like so sick I could not do anything. But I'm finally better. Um, uh, antibiotics are great. Um, uh, praise the gods. Um, but yeah, I'm just um, I've got some stuff coming up next week. I'm launching something cool that I'll actually be talking about on next show, and um, just a kind of. Uh, I've also got an event that I'm, I'm an internal event that I'm doing next week uh, that I'm gonna uh, I've got gonna be running the midnight oil for. So just prepping for, for a bunch of that kind of stuff. Yeah, all right. That all sounds right. ominous, actually. <laughs> Rihanna, what are you up to? Election. You know, we've got less than a month to go. Um, tonight we're recording early because I've got a fire drill with the uh, debate. Um, we had a just astonishing, astonishing week in fundraising because we had a, um, you know, Trump got coronavirus uh, since we recorded last and we did a um, put out a commercial about the hypocrisy with him not wearing masks and then when he gets it, all of a sudden they're all wearing masks, which is just the hypocrisy jackpot. So mm. uh, we're doing that. We're putting it out on TV. Uh, we are just going to bring this election home and hopefully end this uh, this horrible nightmare we've been trapped in for four years. That is a good, uh, I just want to note, I was under the impression for a long time that the election was a different day than it is. So I would like to state unequivocally that election day is Tuesday, November 3rd. Um, And in some states, you can still register to vote. um, And I really, really encourage everyone to check on your voter registration status and then figure out if you can request an absentee ballot, if your state allows you to vote absentee, or figure out a plan to go to your local polling site so you can vote in person. Uh, I know in New York, we've been having these weird problems where because of uh, COVID, we were allowed to request absentee ballots um, and say because of um, health issues, whatever, and it was fine. But some people received their ballots with the wrong address printed uh, on them. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it's really a problem. It's very ridiculous. I don't understand. As you know, Christina, because you're in Washington, uh, every, all voting is absentee and it is yep. easy and fine. Uh, I don't know why it became such a problem for the state of New York. Anyway, um, you can request a new one if that happens to you. But I just encourage everyone to try to do it as early as possible so that if something goes wrong, you can do a backup plan. Um, I know my plan is to, I did get my absentee ballot, but I'm going to drop it off at an early voter site, which here in New York, those open up the week of October 23rd, I believe, um, or October 24th. So that is my plan. And um, I voted last night and I felt, I woke, woke up this morning feeling great not because I know what will happen, but I did my part and it felt really, mm-hmm. really, really good to fill in that bubble. That's awesome. Uh, all right. What am I doing this week? I was on Twit this week. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was on This Week in Tech. It was really fun. It was incredibly chaotic. Um, if you have ever thought, huh, I wonder if it's just, if it's a rocket thing that things go off the rails so much. I'm here to tell you, it might be a me problem. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, this episode of Twit went uh, a lot of places, um, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm now best friends with my two guests, mutual guests, uh, and uh, we're going to start our own secret show and nobody is allowed to listen to it. It'll be just a private podcast for the three of us. 
Um, anyway, you can check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes. And thank you again, Christina, for <laughs> passing that invite on to me. And thank you, Brie, for accidentally <laughs> confirming, making me on go on. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. Is that what happened? Brie accidentally confirmed? That is what happened. Yeah. Oh, my I- God. I, so you read the, the, the I, I want to defend myself. So, so Karsten came to me and was like, hey, can you make sure Simone sees this? And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll send it to her. And I said, great, done. No, sorry. And, let me, let me explain. Yeah, Karsten came please. to you asking, yep. saying, can you get Simone on Twit this week? And you right. said, sure. And then you said, done. Um, and I, in retrospect, I know what you meant was, I asked Simone I to ask be on Twitter. I asked Simone, yeah. And what Carson confirmed to me that he understood from that was, done, Simone's going to be on Twitter. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I would okay. never do that to you on purpose. <laughs> I felt so bad. Oh. No, because he emailed me as well, and I was just so sick that I wasn't even responding, and I was texting with Simone to ask her, and then I was going to get back to Carson and be like, oh, she can't do it. And I was trying to figure out at that point, I was like, can I even get, like, can I actually get on and do this? Like, I was trying to say, like, can I physically, like, do this? And I was, like, in a place where I was, like, I don't think I can physically, like, get on the show. And and then Simone was, like, well, I, I've been, you know, uh, I've been confirmed. And I was, like, wait, I didn't do that. Like, I, I, did, I didn't <laughs> do so this, sorry. I swear. <laughs> but it worked I would, out. It I'm worked so, out. But I'm so careful, you know, with friends and getting them into stuff. I just... I felt like the world's biggest. Oh no! That. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it ended up working out. I had a lot yeah, of fun, and good. they very much needed me to go on. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank. So yes, check that out. Um, where can I find me online? Wow, I'm on Twitter at Doom Quasar and YouTube.com/slash Polygon. Christina, where are you? I am film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams and at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And Brianna. I am Brianna Wu uh, on Twitter. And uh, if you want to help us out, we've got just three weeks before this election. And you can do that at helptherebellion.com. Come on, let's win this thing. Let's bring it home. Let's let's dream of a future where we can go outside. That's yes. my dream. Whoa. <laughs> so... Very bold of you. (laughs) Um, All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And uh, if you like the show, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find it. Uh, So thank you, everyone. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.